Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. The initial stream, it is uh, December 12, 2022, 13 days away from the holidays, so you can officially say to people, happy holidays, which is nice. I like that. I always start too early and people get upset with me, but I wanted to give an afternoon update. Uh, hit me up. I don't have the, um, I don't have your instant interaction up right now, so hit me up at John Lund Radio if you want to hit up anything. Put uh, your thoughts in the comment section as well, and I will get back to you. Any questions, comments, thoughts, it is Monday. December 12th, 2022. So wanted to uh, do a little bit of a, a live stream, get you some 49ers reaction as I write there. Debo, update on you, afternoon update, and where the 49ers are in the NFC+. Plus. Papa and I, have, I think, had a fascinating conversation on the show on KNBR, which, by the way, thank you for joining me. John Lund, KNBR Radio, in San Francisco, day job, KNBR, KNBR 680 in the Bay Area in San Francisco, talking all Bay Area sports from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., a lot of... Obviously, a discussion on the 49ers today, so I want to recap some of that with you today on Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk, which you can get on the YouTube channel, which you're doing right now in the live stream, or we've got a podcast going on as well, and you can get that anywhere you get your favorite podcast. So Apple, Spotify, we drop that every morning, Monday through Friday, so you can take us with you. If you're looking on the YouTube channel, thanks. This is the new studio. Uh little ring back there from the Warriors of Fake Ring, a little Willie McCover, Battle of the Bay. We'll get some better stuff up there. Michael Zagaris with the great shot of Montana and Walsh and Willie Mays. And you can see if I go the right way, a little unleashed, a little pop and lunge. So anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. If you are new to the podcast, to the YouTube channel, uh, we will give you an update on everything, try to have a lot of fun and put audio and video and, and all sorts of things on every single weekday. So again, at John Lund Radio, hit me up. I'll look at the uh, I'll look at the interactions as we're going here. But the big thing you want to know about, and then we'll get into a couple of things Pop and I talked about today during the show, is what are the uh, what are the updates as far as the injuries are concerned? Because Kyle this morning, if you joined the show on KMBR, we played for you Kyle at ten AM. Normally on a Monday if it's a Sunday game, then that uh, interaction with Kyle on a teleconference is at about 3.30, and by that point, they have MRIs back and they have better news on injuries, or, or a better idea, I should say, on injuries, and they didn't today. But uh, we did get some word back, and so according to the 49ers in this release, Debo Samuel, a, a sprained MCL in his left knee and a sprained left ankle. He's going to miss time, but there is optimism potentially for the Raiders game on January 1st, so that's only a couple of games. That would mean missing Seattle, obviously, missing Washington, and then you'd have him for the Raiders and Cardinals, which to me, that sounds overly optimistic for Debo Samuel. I'll be honest with you, before I get to the next injury, I think, give me your thoughts, add John Lund Radio and hit a bump on the comments here on the live stream. Uh, I believe that that they can win all four of these games without Debo, uh, the way that Christian McCaffrey looks, the way that, Chris, uh, that Brock Purdy's playing, although... Uh, I'll talk about uh, Brock Purdy in a conversation we had today. All positive, but uh, a conversation we had about Brock Purdy today. 
And But I do think you're going to Seattle. Now, look, I realize that Seattle is difficult because of the way that the division works. For some reason, it's really weird. The Rams dominate the Cardinals. The Rams usually dominate the Seahawks. The Seahawks usually dominate the 49ers. I mean, it's just this weird thing. The Rams have had so many injuries. They're kind of off the board. They But Seattle almost lost to them. They needed a touchdown by D.K. Metcalf with just seconds left in L.A. to win that, no matter how banged up the Rams were. So it just has this weird dynamic and has for years. So while I look at the Seahawks and the way that their run defense has been the last four weeks, which I think it's almost 210 uh, per game on the ground for the Seahawks over the last four, they just play the 49ers well for some reason. It's loud. It's difficult. We'll get into Brock Purdy, like I said, in a minute and how he could uh, kind of flip the tables on that in Seattle. But they started out horrible defensively. They kind of righted the ship a little bit, which Pete Carroll does a lot of times with the Seahawks, and then they were horrible again. And that's kind of where we are sitting right now is they just cannot stop the run. So what are the 49ers probably going to do? They're probably going to stop the run. So Jordan Mason, J.P. Mason, and I think he can give the 49ers some of the things that Debo gives the 49ers. Now, he's not going to catch the ball like that, but when you have the versatility of Christian McCaffrey, he can kind of fill in those holes to where you need him because J.P. Mason, and there's got to be a better nickname for him than North Pole, but he's like North-South. I mean, North-South guy, whatever Tim is going to ultimately call him. He's a north-south physical runner, and I think that's going to give Seattle trouble. Seattle's got more speed than they do bulk and power. I like Al Woods inside for Seattle. But I think that J.P. Mason, he's starting to get a couple of he, uh, games under his belt. He's starting to get some confidence. So I believe they can go to Seattle and win and will. I do believe that Washington, who has problems offensively, even though they're solid defensively, but they're not great. I think, they're in it, I think you win that football game. I think you're at the point of the season where the 49ers are really focused. You have those games where you're like, what are they doing? I think they're past that. Uh, you go and take on the Raiders. They're wildly inconsistent, but I think you win that game. And I think there'll be a ton of, of 49ers fans in Las Vegas, so that'll be like a home game. And then Arizona, by that point, I think is going to have given up. So as crazy as it would have sounded early in the season, I think they're going to go 4-0 and go 13-4 and uh, the rest of the way. As far as Brock Purdy, and then let's get into a Brock Purdy conversation He's considered day-to-day with what the team's calling a rib and oblique injury. Uh, they did not practice. They had to release these things because they play on Thursday night. So he would have been limited or listed as limited, and people are telling me that that is a positive sign. So, again, an oblique. An oblique injury, and I am no doctor, as you can tell, but an oblique injury is something you might see with baseball players quite a bit. We hear about oblique injuries. They're swinging too hard. With Brock Purdy, just due to his motion, Um. He gets he's kind of prone to an oblique injury, although they say the injury happened when he dove for that first down. He went around right, if you remember, in the what first or second quarter, and Trent Williams had a holding call, so it was all for naught anyway. But apparently that's when the oblique injury happened. Obliques are weird because you've seen uh, hitters, and it's like, okay, okay, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? So it could be Josh Johnson, four-string quarterback for the 49ers, and we talked about this on the show today. And I'm not just saying this because – I do pre-half and post for the 49ers or anything like that. It's just from a depth standpoint to be down to potentially your fourth quarterback and still thinking you can win in Seattle or have a pretty good chance with Josh Johnson around. But if Brock Purdy's around, I think they have a really good chance. You're down to J.P. Mason, who's what, your third or fourth running back, and he's showing signs of being really, really solid. Juwan Jennings is getting better. Brandon Ayuk is getting better. And then Christian McCaffrey, as I said, can kind of fill in the cracks everywhere. And Oh, by the way, there's George Kittle. So 
the way that Seattle is and Geno Smith in week two, they handled him pretty well. It'll be interesting to see what he does at home. He struggled against Carolina, so maybe some teams are figuring him out. But in the offensive and defensive lines, the 49ers should be dominant against Seattle. And as far as the run game, if they're going to give up 210 and they're not sure of Ken Walker, the third, they're really good running back, rookie running back. And Seattle has, has had a great rookie class. But if he's not going to play, they're going to struggle with guys like Travis Homer trying to run the football, and they're not going to be able to do that against the 49ers. And then it's going to fall on Geno's shoulders, kind of like it did against Carolina, and that did not end well. And the 49ers are a lot better than Carolina. So the injuries right out of the gate, afternoon injury update is not as bad as we thought with Debo Samuel. Anytime you're missing him, that's a bad thing. But given how much talent they have offensively, I think that they'll be okay. I would be surprised if it was the Raiders game, although that's what we're hearing. So that would only be two weeks for Debo. I wouldn't think they would push it. I would think they could win all four of these games without Debo Samuel. I don't think I'm being overly optimistic in that. And then an oblique injury, which we had heard. But again, if he was, if it was the week of practice and they would have practiced on a Monday, he would have been limited by Thursday. That's going to throw a monkey wrench into this whole thing. So as big as this game is, here's the thing. The 49ers are never going to put somebody out there that's injured and risk them, especially for the long term and especially as well because Brock Purdy has been so good. So do they think they can go to Seattle and win with Josh Johnson and give him a week off? If it was a Sunday game, I've heard this already, that there's no question Brock Purdy would be playing. With a Thursday, it could be in question, uh, but we'll see. As far as Brock Purdy, and this is the conversation we got into today, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, whether you put it on the comments section here on the YouTube channel or hit me up at John Lund Radio if you're listening to this on the podcast. And again, you can get the Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk podcast with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Anywhere you get your favorite podcast. So whether that's Spotify, Apple, just make sure you subscribe, tell all your friends and all that stuff. But the conversation we were having with, with Brock Purdy, and I understand it's kind of jumping the gun here because there's four games left in the season. There's playoffs. There's a lot for Brock Purdy to do, and he could fall on his face. Although a lot of people within the organization and people we've talked to said this guy's legit. The one thing he hasn't done is gone on the road, especially to a place like Seattle and won. So let's stick a pin in that for just a second. But somebody put out a, uh, a stat today, Bailey Zappi of the uh, New England Patriots had very similar stats through two games as Brock Purdy. Um, Nick Mullins got off to a hell of a start, and the 49ers uh, beat writers, especially our good friend Matt Mayoko, They've put out these stats on, well, this is what, remember, this is what Nick Mullins did. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the optimism. Maybe I'm getting caught up in in all of the hoopla when it comes to Brock Purdy and all the the nicknames and all these kind of things. He seems different to me. Maybe I'm 100% wrong. Maybe I'm 100% wrong. Maybe he's one of those guys that comes up, and we know this in baseball, where he just, it's like, wow, this dude is awesome. And then by the, you know, a month or six weeks into the season, they've adjusted. He hasn't adjusted back, and he's not good. I mean, I'm, I'm not certainly saying that Brock Purdy is Tom Brady or anything like that. Nah, he was 262, and Brady was 199. He just he seems to have something different than what I remember Nick Mullins having, and I was covering the 49ers and doing pre- and post-game for the 49ers, and that happened. I remember the Raiders game on a Thursday night, how good Nick Mullins was. I remember the nickname, BDN. Um, I'll keep it as clean as I can. Uh, and, and Brock Purdy's got a similar name. I call him the Rooster. Uh, but you know, what it, you know what it is if you're looking at trending on Twitter or anything like that. So they're similar in that way. They're both undersized. They both have the strongest arms, those kind of things. There has to be, you know, if you're looking at the negative side of Brock Purdy, 
there had to be a reason why he was taking 262, right? There had to be a reason. So what was it? But through the first two games, I wouldn't say he's perfect, but he's, he's looked pretty darn good. So the comparisons to Nick Mullins, I totally get it. Uh, those who are putting, or putting out the same two games or the, the numbers that were remarkably similar in the first two games from Bailey Zappi and everybody in New England was like, we found our quarterback. We don't need Mac Jones anymore. Kind of a similar thing to we're going, wait a minute, Brock Purdy, what, what happens to, to Trey Lance? And we did a poll on our show last Friday that talked that asked you, in fact, I can flash it up on the screen when, uh, when you take a look at this thing, but and the, the question was, who do you want to be the 49ers quarterback in 2023? Well, Trey Lance, off the top of my head, Trey Lance won. And then it was because Brady was on it because he was coming back, and Brady's a free agent and can't be franchised just like Jimmy can't be franchised. So Jimmy Garoppolo came in second, Tom Brady came in third, and I think Brock Purdy had 10% of the vote. If we redid that today, Monday, December 12th, after what Brock Purdy did, after beating Tom Brady, not by himself, but – had a much better game, much better surrounding players too. It would be vastly different. So the, the interesting conversation, even though it's far too early to have it, is, all right, there's another test this Thursday night. Go to Seattle, a place that, while Seattle is not great, they haven't needed to be great to beat the 49ers at their place. It's been a house of horrors for the 49ers. So what if Brock Purdy goes into that place, same kind of thing, cock of the walk, baby. And they beat the Seahawks in a sound fashion, maybe similar to what the what they just beat Tom Brady and the Bucks. Then do you believe he's got a, a lot of the things to accomplish? Because just like a hitter in baseball, or just like a basketball player, okay, we're going to take that move away from you. Now what do you got? You got another move and another move and another move. Jordan Poole's kind of going through that with the Warriors. It was like, okay, you got us, and now we've had an entire season to look at the film on you. Now we've put you into the category of must stop along with Steph Curry and Clay and all these kind of guys. Now you've got to adjust back to us. And it's been a bit of an adjustment for Jordan Poole. You see hitters all the time. Okay, you got us, you got us, you got us, you got us. We made an adjustment. We saw a hole in your swing. Now what? Now you've got to adjust back. So Brock Purdy is not the perfect quarterback. There are going to be things where good defensive coordinators, Good NFL coaches are going to say, well, he can't do this or he can't do that. Let's try this and let's try that. And Pete Carroll's one of those guys. So it's not going to be automatic that Brock Purdy's going to walk into Seattle and play well. But after week one where he comes in and there was a lot of dink and dunk, what did we say last week? All right, he didn't have to do a whole lot. And the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins didn't really have a game plan for him. And they did a bunch of zero blitzes because the general thought is a rookie quarterback is not going to be good against the blitz. Guess what? Brock Purdy was better when he was sped up. That's what the numbers say, at least from Pro Football Focus. He was better when he was sped up, so that was the wrong move to make. Now, now Todd Bowles comes in, and he does some things, but Brock Purdy evaded the rush. This is, this is what was impressive about him. He invaded the rush. He had the two-yard touchdown run, which, go back to that. Everything was covered, and he made a quick decision. Um, the quarterback, sometimes when there's a blitz and there's, a, there's, an, uh, there's an unblocked defender, that's his job to make that defender miss. So, again, he's not going to be mistaken for Lamar Jackson, but he's got some athletic ability back there. He made some really nice throws. Uh, the throw to Christian McCaffrey, the throw a little late to, to Brandon Ayuk. He's still working on timing with the receivers. There was a couple of balls that were behind him. But you saw him climb the pocket and hit George Kittle. He, he's got everybody who says he's, you know, he's got the moxie and all those kind of things. Okay, I'll give you that. But he just he gives you encouraging signs consistently that maybe, just maybe, this isn't just a flash-in-the-pan kind of a situation. Again, hit me up at John Lund Radio. 
lot of comparisons with Nick Mullins, a lot of comparisons early in the first two games to Bailey Zappi. A comparison I came up with when we were doing the Pop and Lunch show today on KMBR was what if Trey Lance, who was the third overall pick, and RG3 under Shanahan was the second overall pick, and then later on in the draft, Washington took, same year as RG3, took Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins became the favorite of the Shanahan's, and because Robert Griffin III got hurt and never could really regain what he was, Kirk Cousins became the quarterback and, of course, signed all those one-year contracts. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you think it's one guy and it's another. Now, again, way jumping the gun on this. You can, tell, you can say that to me. Way jumping the gun on a comp like that. But you look at a guy like Brock Purdy who threw 1,467 passes in college, Trey Lance at 319 at North Dakota State. Could it be that, and Kyle Shanahan, when he first got here, we all know this, he wanted Kirk Cousins. He wanted a person, a player who could run his offense and could be kind of an extension of him on the field, and that's what he felt like Kirk Cousins was. And I see Brock Purdy as being that kind of a quarterback. Again, one start, three quarters of another game, not fair. The fun part about this in the offseason is, let's just say, I don't know, let's not go Super Bowl because that's, I mean, that would be obvious. If, if Brock Purdy got to or won a Super Bowl for the 49ers, then he's your starting quarterback next year. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is going to leave regardless. I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities for Jimmy Garoppolo. Robert Sala with the Jets, I don't think that Zach Wilson is going to be around next year. The Giants, Daniel Jones, I don't think he's going to be around next year. I think there's a number of teams who look at Jimmy Garoppolo and say, geez, we blew it. Indianapolis, who took Matt Ryan instead. Jimmy Garoppolo is having a really nice season. So I think Jimmy's going to sign with one of those teams. And one side of me says, okay, do the 49ers want to go through the same thing with Trey Lance, which is, okay, we're a Super Bowl-ready team. We've got to wait for the quarterback to catch up because I like Trey Lance. I'm not anti-Trey Lance. But what I'm saying is, is that a lot of times when you look at a team win a championship, especially at this critical position, now they've got an elite enough defense to do that. I don't know if it's a Ravens or a Steelers of the 70s or you know the, uh, some of the best defenses of all time. I don't know if it's that. It's really, really good. But for Trey Lance to win it, he's gonna, he made mistakes early this year. He would have made mistakes probably into a number of games. By this point of the season, would Trey Lance have a firm grasp and not be making those rookie mistakes? Probably, maybe, or maybe not. And in the offseason, if Brock Purdy takes them to a certain level, let's not say Super Bowl, but like I said, because that's too much. But let's say he takes them, because I could see this in the NFC being realistic. I told you at the beginning of the stream that I think that they're going to win the four games the rest of the season. So they're 13-4. and four. If they're 13-4, and four, I looked at Minnesota's schedule, I think they could jump Minnesota. And they, that means that they would only have to go to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. So for the sake of conversation, I looked this morning, they would play Washington in the first round. The season does not end today. But they would play Washington in the first round at home. Well, we're going to see that matchup in a couple of weeks. I think Brock Purdy wins that game. So now you're on to the next round. Probably be playing Minnesota in the next round at home. We've seen that before in 2019, but it's two different teams. I understand that. But let's say even if they lose that game, okay, so they get the divisional with Brock Purdy and they win the rest of the games in the regular season and they're 13-14. and 14. Or let's say they get to the NFC Championship game and they lose at Philadelphia, which I think is plausible as well, or maybe even probable. So then what? So if he gets you to the NFC Championship game, wins the rest of the regular season games, wins the first round against Washington, but either gets knocked out by Minnesota or beats Minnesota, who's your quarterback next year? I think Jimmy's leaving. So now it comes down to 
Do you want to start over with Trey Lance, who definitely has more of a physical upside, can run it, throw it? I don't know what Trey Lance is going to be. I don't. I have no idea. And we're a game and three quarters into what Brock Purdy may or may not be. Now, maybe Seattle and a defensive coordinator, a veteran defensive coordinator like Pete Carroll, and I do the pre and a half in the post, and so I, I work with Dennis Brown, and that was his defensive coordinator, so he's got a high opinion of Pete Carroll. And we all know, no matter how much you do or don't like the Seahawks, mainly don't, if you're watching this, you have to admit that Pete Carroll can make some adjustments and do some things and might throw some things at Brock Purdy that he hasn't seen. And I go back to the, to the comparison of a baseball player, basketball player, anybody in sports, we're going to adjust to you. So the first few games, maybe you get over. Washington's a pretty good defensive team. Vegas stinks on defense. Arizona stinks on defense. But still, they've got defensive coordinators, and everybody's going to throw something new at Brock Purdy. And he's look, he's been good so far. He was really impressive in the last game, making decisions in the pocket, getting the ball to the right guy. But someone's going to throw something at him, right? Like that, that one hitter that's like, man, is he good? Oh, he's got a hole in his swing. Fastball up and in. Mm, can't do it. And that's all they got to do is they just got to find one. They just got to find one flaw. And he's got flaws. Everybody's got flaws. You know, is it pressure? Is it, you know, can't do this, can't throw here, doesn't do that. With all these weapons, that's the other thing, too. He's not doing it by himself. Tom Brady, for as many people as who would now then say, after we did that poll on Friday, like, I, I don't want Brady. Well, something's going on. I mean, first of all, their offensive line stinks. They have no run game. Um, I don't know why he's not on the same page with Mike Evans, but he's not. Uh, Chris Godwin, because of injuries, isn't the same player. These aren't excuses. It's just if you flip the two guys, Brady would have been throwing dimes all over the place on Sunday, and Brock Purdy would have struggled with the Buccaneers. That's just the way it would have been. But he does have the players on his team. So against Seattle, get the ball out of your hands and get it to playmakers. Even without Debo, they'll be fine. I think the same thing against Washington, the Raiders, et cetera. But next year, and hit me up, at John Lund Radio. As we sit here today, Monday, December 12th, who's the quarterback of the 49ers next year? Jimmy's leaving, I'm assuming. Trey Lance is going to be healthy. Brock Purdy leads him to the divisional against Minnesota, either wins or loses, whatever. Maybe that makes a difference to you. They get to the NFC Championship game, they lose to Philadelphia. Who's the quarterback? Because that's the decision that Kyle Shanahan may have to make, and to me... That means that Brock Purdy played pretty well. But then again, if you're, a, if you're a Trey Lance guy, you're going, geez, what if Trey Lance had all these weapons? And then you add in the run element. The one thing I would caution with Trey Lance is, and I, I know a lot of people got on this, and I know that Jerry Rice said, quit running our guys up the middle. That's just part of football. Not to disagree with the GOAT. He knows a hell of a lot more than I do. But you're going to have to run up the middle. And it was one of the reasons why Kyle Shanahan, from the minute they drafted Trey Lance, they said, this is what's going to happen. This guy, while well, he's... while his throwing catches up to his running, he's going to have to run the ball for a while. And sitting out does not make you better. You've got to get reps. So next year, he's going to have to come in, run, pass, do all those kind of things. And Kyle Shanahan, and this is where I go back to the RG3V Kirk Cousins comparisons, I know that Kyle Shanahan would like to have a guy who can add the running element to the game. And Brock Purdy adds a movement in the pocket element that maybe Jimmy doesn't, but he, I wouldn't call him a pure runner, even though he did some read option stuff at Iowa State. NFL is a totally different deal, as you know. So I'm not going to say that Brock Purdy can add that element that Trey Lance can. Trey Lance is a better athlete. Trey Lance has a better arm. Trey Lance can do a lot of things that Brock Purdy can't, but at this point of everything, as far as distributing to the playmakers that the 49ers have, 
Brock Purdy, at least through one and three quarters games, has a big advantage in that way. So if he gets him to the, they're going to have a really tough decision if he gets him to the NFC Championship game, wins all these games from now until then, and they don't lose. So what's that? Six more games? And he started the other one, so he'd be, what, 7-0 and at that point? So then he loses to Philly in the NFC Championship game, and he's 7-1, and and he comes back and says, I was 7-1 and with all these weapons. You going to start over with Trey Lance again? Just give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio, I think that's something that's uh, kind of fascinating. And finally, one more thing before we get out of here. And again, I will hit you, if you hit me up on the uh, comments section, as well as the um, at John Lund Radio, and you hit me up on the uh, live stream, any questions, comments, and so forth, uh, just hit me up on there. One other quick thing on the Giants, and Greg has always given me grief about this. The first couple of days of the of free agency in baseball, I said the, the Giants were off to an ominous start because some other teams were doing some things, and, and the Giants had all this money. I thought, we were off to an ominous start. And people say, whoa, whoa, it's way too early to call this an ominous start. Well, it's nothing against Sean Maniah whatsoever, but if the big signing is $225 million with Sean Maniah, yeah, that's a disappointing offseason. And what I advocated, and go back to a couple of uh, podcasts, maybe three or four podcasts ago, where I talked about the offseason for the Giants as the Padres load up on bats and the Dodgers load up on bats and the Braves make a trade for Sean Murphy today and the Phillies get Trey Turner and you start looking at the National League and it's loaded with bats. Well, there's one of two things you can do. You can either try to get bats yourself, which players, bats won't sign here. goes back to Barry Bonds. Bats won't sign here. Or you can do what, they sh- what they've been doing, which is they've signed a ton of pitchers over the years, and they all come here, and they all – and not only is it a great ballpark to pitch in, but this, is, this team is known for getting the best out of their pitchers, especially this current regime. You know, Kevin Gosman gets rehabbed. Carlos Rodon stays healthy. I mean, go on through the years. Guys sign here, they're successful. They go to other places. And I know that the numbers have gotten out of control. Heard Carlos Rodon wants seven years. Uh, you're looking at Jacob DeGrom getting five years, which I think at the beginning of this whole thing I thought was insane. I thought maybe he'd get two, maybe get a third-year option. So, yeah, contracts are going up not only for the players but for the for the pitchers. The difference between a position player and a pitcher getting these long-term contracts, and you're not going to see pitchers get 10-plus-year contracts, but at least at the end of those you know, three or four years of the final years of these contracts, you know that a position player is probably not going to be what he was, but he could DH for you. You know, there's things you could do. With a pitcher, he blows out an arm. You owe him five years. Those contracts are guaranteed. So I understand why the Giants are apprehensive. But a lot of times when the industry dictates and everybody else goes in a certain way, you can either be like John Gruden and say, I'm not being Khalil Mack $20 million, or, and then the draft picks don't work out. Or you can just say, look, this is the cost of doing business. The Raiders probably should, should have said this is the cost of doing business. The Giants at some point need to say, okay, maybe not seven years, but five years, which they are loath to do. They didn't give Gosman five years. Uh, they were negotiating with Carlos Rodon during the season. They wouldn't give him five years, and I understand that, but that's becoming the cost of doing business, five years for elite pitchers. And what they should have done, if you don't want to go back and listen to the whole spiel and look at the whole sheet and do all that stuff, is that they should have – they needed to, in this offseason, say, Kodai Singa, that's the guy we're getting. They came in second place. Aaron Judge, they came in second place. But if you're not going to be able to get the bats, and you're not if you play here in San Francisco, then you got to get Kodai Singa from Japan, and you got to bring Carlos Rodon back. And then if you bring in Sean Manaya and he's your four, your five, and then you take that excess pitching 
I don't know what DeSclafani is worth or Alex Wood is worth, or but you're going to have, or Alex Cobb is worth, but you're going to have excess pitching. You trade that for hitting. And that's the only choice you have. Go out and be aggressive. Maybe you don't want to give up some of your prospects, but Brian Reynolds is a center fielder, and you're dying for a center fielder right now. You know, you, you don't have a first baseman. You don't have a third baseman. There's not really much left on the market in that regards. I heard they were in on Sean Murphy. Clearly, they didn't offer, and it was a three-way trade with Milwaukee. They didn't offer, but those teams offered. I understand that, but they've, I've said this many times. They've got an older team, and they have a bunch of prospects that we keep hearing about, but they don't have the 25- to 30-year-old in-your-prime player, and they're not going to get it unless they trade for hitting, and the only way they can, given their certain situation, and I can comp it to the Colorado Rockies in pitching, in 2000, they signed Mike Hampton to an eight-year, $121 million contract, 8-121. They never delved back into that or jumped back into that pool again to that level because that's not what they do. And they realized that after that horrible contract, Hampton pitched two years in Colorado, had an ERA around six. They traded him. They said, okay, that's not our way. We got to draft, develop, trade for pitching. Hitters will come here. Opposite for the Giants. Pitchers will come here. Hitters will not trade. Draft, develop, trade for hitting. And you get five number one starters in your staff. And Manaya's is not a one, but if he was my five or maybe my four, okay. But then you need at least three rock-solid ones. And if they were in on Kodai Senga and they believe that and you got Logan Webb and you get Carlos Radon, okay, now you're cooking with gas. And my four or five is my Manaya and Wood or Manaya and Cobb or something like that. Then you can compete and you, you, you cobble together the runs. But right now, the worst thing they could do is, oh, my God, let's panic and go out and get some, some sticks and sign those sticks. I would much rather have them go out and overload pitching. So we'll see what they do. But to this point, and it's not over, and I understand that, but to this point, massively disappointing to have Sean Manaya be the only guy, nothing against Sean Manaya, and nothing certainly against Mitch Haniger, and he's coming home, and that's a great thing for him. But he just caught up in the, in the midst of they signed him, and we were expecting Aaron Judge. And it's like opening up socks on Christmas. Socks are, socks are great. You got to have socks. And you got to have underwear. You know, you got to have those kind of things. And, and Mitch Hanniger, when you're looking for like a PS5 or something really, some electronic cool thing or whatever, and you're ripping it open and that's what you think it is, and then it's socks and underwear, it's kind of like Christmas vacation and he got the jelly of the month club. It's like, you know, ugh, you hit the eggnog. Nothing against Mitch Hanniger, but that's the way that the, uh, the offseason has been for the 49ers. Maybe... Farhan and 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 the group and the powers that be at the Giants can pull something out, but to this point, disappointing. So I just wanted to add that to the end of it. There you go. That's your thoughts. Give me your thoughts at John Lund Radio. Listen to the podcast. We'll drop the podcast and the video casts every weekday morning. We'll get you ready all week long for the Seahawks and the 49ers. Pop and I will be live at Levi Stadium on Wednesday. Have a great show for you tomorrow as well. A condensed week and then all day Thursday. If you hate my guts, Thursday's a bad day for you. I'm on from 10 a.m. to like 10 p.m. for the Seahawks. But there you go. That is Unleashed Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. And again, where you get your favorite podcast, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast channel and the YouTube channel as well. And we'll have live streams every so often. I like to try to have them as much as I possibly can. So let me know. Give me your questions, your comments, your thoughts. There you go. It is Unleashed Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund, only on the Locked On Podcast Network.